This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at cosmicpotatonetwork.com. Turn around. Look at what you see in her face. The mirror of your dream. Make believe I'm everywhere. Give it in the light. Written on the pages is the answer to a never ending story. Hi, this is Shane. And this is Virginia. And this is Wait, You've Never Seen? A podcast dedicated to discussing well-known movies and TV shows that one of us has never seen. And today we're discussing Wait, You've Never Seen? The Never-Ending Story. Not that it matters, but no. Oh, God. Movie is so depressing uh, for many different reasons. But anyway, so trigger warnings up front. Um, the dad is shockingly dismissive of his child's grief over his dead mother. Um, we don't know how long the mother has been dead, but he's basically like, um, man up and get over it, which is a little disturbing. Um, yeah. There's some bullying that involves throwing the bullied kid in a literal dumpster. Which is also disturbing. And then, um, spoiler alert, the horse dies. Mm. Which was really sad, which Sean had spoiled for me when we recorded for Labyrinth a few months ago. And I'm kind of glad he did, because that was, like, I almost started hyperventilating. Like, I I recognized that, like, ASPCA was probably on the scene and was taking care of the horse and whatnot. But it was still, like, that horse was going to drown, and I was like... This isn't cool, man. This isn't cool. Oh, they dragged that out, too. Yeah. It wasn't just off camera or very quickly. It was... It was slow, slow, terrible. Ugh. So, what three things did you expect from this movie? I expected that this movie will never end. <laughs> We're still watching it right now. <laughs> um, I expected there would be Muppet-like creatures... And there will be a narrator like the grandfather in The Princess Bride. There's definitely some an- analogous things happening mm-hmm. between the. This came out. I think the book Princess Bride was written before the never ending story of the book. But anyway. Yeah, I don't know. They're similar. This The movie came out before, before Princess, the Princess Bride did. Right. So, did you think you would like this movie or not? I think it's one of those movies that I would have enjoyed as a child that probably doesn't hold up when you're older. So, I started it out with 2.5 stars. 2.5. All right. Do you have your one-sentence TV guide summary? Um, Yes. A young boy is transported to a fantasy land where a society of Muppets is threatened by an evil sorcerer, a sorcerer who can only be stopped by reading him the same bedtime story over and over again. Oh, 
again. I want to see that movie. <laughs> That's a good one. So, would you like to hear what IMDb says? Yes. So, Never Ending Story, 1984, rated PG. It is not never ending. It is 102 minutes. It, adventure, drama, family. A troubled boy dives into a wondrous fantasy world through the pages of a mysterious book. That's it? So, I actually, I actually, I accidentally went past this description because I thought, oh, there's got to be more, like, it can't just be, like, seven words. So, how did things match up to your expectations? This was way sadder than I expected. There was a lot of death. I mean, not just the horse. There was also, um, didn't uh, Atreyu, like, just straight up stab that wolf creature that was stalking him? Yes. And, like, you see the blood and everything. And I'm like, that's kind of graphic for a kid's movie. Um, but, yeah, you have the dead mom, the dead horse, the dead wolf. And then everything. And then everything. Everything and everyone dies one by one. Yeah, because the nothingness is coming to get them. Well, not really coming to get them, just swallowing everything whole. Much more on that, anon. Okay. Um, there were kind of Muppet-like creatures, like Falcor, kind of reminded me of a Muppet, where, like his head moved. Yeah. Very Muppet-like, but the rest of him was clearly just laying there on the soundstage or whatever. None of it. Like, even um, Atreyu would, like, pick up his paw to move. Like, he himself didn't move his own paw. Yeah. I'm guessing because that was just a sack of (laughs) costume laying there. It was difficult enough to, like, get that head to move with the tongue and everything and the eyes. He could even wink, which is a little disconcerting. Yeah, that's true. Winking at a child seems i don't know weird and there was a narrator but it was when we heard him it was the boy um bastion which i assume is short for sebastian but they never said that um there was also another narrator though there was a there was a a more adult voice you know say and the nothing did this and that and there was another narrator voice was it the guy who had the book that bastion stole the book from like that um, bookstore person. Well, anyway, I don't know. Um, it wasn't really a grandfather figure. It was just a creepy old man that didn't like children. Yeah. Um. So it was. It was a little better than I expected, despite all the death. So I gave it three stars. Because it was did. still. It was still interesting. It. It wasn't quite. Was it? It wasn't quite what I was expecting. So it did hold my interest. But maybe because we were watching it with the lights off, I did start to get a little tired watching it. I did I did not off maybe a couple times. Yeah, well, you always do that. Hey, not always. Not with Space Jam. That's nonstop action. If you go to our Space Jam episode, I believe you admitted that you fell asleep. So I, don't I, try. Hey. Don't try to be like you didn't fall asleep now. I answered those questions under duress. But you fell asleep during this one. Because it take, was never ending. I take it back. And that didn't happen. So I said I gave it three stars. <laughs> okay. Yes. So my first question is, what school has an attic like that? 
A spooky, How, spooky attic. If the key thing was broken, well, it looks like a fire alarm thing that the key was hidden in. I refuse to believe he's the only child in that school that knows there's a key hidden there. Like, yes. there should have been a bunch of kids up there, like, smoking and making out and what have you. Yeah, what an awesome space to have access to. He was, like, what, 10? How old do you think that kid was? 10, 11, yeah. And, yeah, it's just very artfully, I, I said during this movie, we're usually not allowed to talk, but I said, <laughs> I told you that it's like the... It's like the attic of an eccentric millionaire's mansion. There's spooky skulls and things. Yeah. Weird old boxes and and just the the shape of it too is like the eaves of a rather small a small space compared to that of a school. Yeah. Like, uh, we really didn't get a good look of the outside of the school, but I don't think it was, like, a big Victorian... No. <laughs> Harry Potter... Like, uh, what's the Harry Potter school? Hogwarts. <laughs> it wasn't, like, Hogwarts with big, giant <laughs> roofs like that. Yeah, it probably had those slab... And again, think about it. Schools don't have attics. Schools have two, three, however many floors, mm -hmm. and then, like, a tar roof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have storage rooms, not at, unless it's like, where was this set, or was it really set anywhere? Like, if it was in New England, I'd be more inclined to believe that it was a historic building that had been converted <laughs> into a school, sure. and so they used the attic as a storage facility. I would buy that. But if it's like, you know, Austin, Texas, USA, everything here was built, you know, within the past 100, 150 years... You're not going to have that sort of architectural, like, preservation, I guess. Right. Are you looking up if it says where it was set? Let's see. The majority of the film was shot in Bavaria Studios Munich, except for street scenes that were in Vancouver. It was filmed in Germany? Yeah. Huh. And Vancouver, Canada, as opposed to Washington, I'm assuming. It was uh, the guy who wrote it. It was a German book. The guy oh, wrote it. Oh, okay. The guy who wrote it. That makes sense. So, the giant monster, the rock biter. Rock biter. He's cute. Is like a sommelier of rocks. Because <laughs> he has like... Oh, this limestone has a nice bouquet. Right. I'm like, <laughs> the, come oh, on, it's man. <laughs> I like his bike. His bike. Oh, yeah, his bike was cool. <laughs> it looked kind of like a oh, steamroller. A steamroller, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, can we talk about a problem? Okay. In the 1970s and 80s. Yes. Adults befriending children in our stories. Yes. A little weird. A little weird. Looking at you, Doc Brown. Doc Brown. We got this one, the the shopkeeper. Although you know they're not besties or anything, but like, mm -hmm. but still, it's like that's that's not. It's weird. It's weird. Especially, he's giving him something. The shopkeeper is giving him something that's kind of dangerous, and the reality might be that there's like somehow peyote on those pages, and this kid is just tripping balls all day in the attic of a school. That could be. 
Which brings me to another point is, do teachers not do a cursory check of all of the rooms before they leave for the day? Wouldn't the dad also be just beside himself upset? He's lost his wife, and now no one can find his son. Man, he didn't seem like he cared about anything. Well, even the teachers would be like, oh my gosh, this kid, like, where is he? We know, they have, they must all know that he lost his mother. So, like, what What must they be... There's a teacher who cares about it. There's someone who cares about him who's missing him and just, I think, is devastated. That's another, like, just sad little mm-hmm. ribbon, of, a ribbon of sadness that's going along in this movie that's very sad. <laughs> and we never really get a resolution of that storyline. Like, the last we see, his dad just leaves and is like, don't be late for school again. And then we never see it. Like, they're, they don't make up at the end. They tie up some ends. Like, it would be okay if we didn't... If we never found out that... We don't need to see this the scene where he hands the book back to the creepy shopkeeper. Mm-hmm. We don't need to see that. But we do. I do need to see the dad. And maybe the dad even, like, goes, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I was such a jerk earlier. Mm-hmm. So, something. Yes, I agree. I got kind of a... So... When those two characters, I can't remember their names, but they met the rock monster and they almost got flattened by him. One was Night Nighthob? Nighthob and the other one. They were talking about the terrible nothingness that was taking over their parts of the of Fantasia or whatever. Fantasia, yeah. And they said, we're going to see the Empress because she can fix it. And I got a very, like, we're off to see the Empress, the wonderful the Empress, Empress of, of Fantasia. Yeah. Right. But he, then we didn't see them really again. He, here's the... <laughs> I mean, we did, but... Right, so that's classic storytelling, like, um, Wizard of Oz, you got Lord of the Rings, like, the, the road trip movie. Mm-hmm. Like, at first, the plot's kind of weird. You know, I'm sure, obviously, this was done on purpose. They even mentioned by name several classic mythology. You know, his, the kids' favorite books are all like, you know, he mentions Lord of the Rings. Oh, right. And he mentions Last of the Mohicans. He, there's the Rob, analogy. Uh, Treasure Island or Robinson Crusoe or one of those. Right. Um, Last of the Mohicans, they, you know, uh, Atreyu is, is like a, an analogous to a... Native American uh, warrior mm-hmm. story about slaying great beasts and things like that, which he eventually does. So there's all these like classic mythology things, and you think, okay, great, like we meet these characters, and they're we have their quest. You know how long it took them from initializing their plan of going to the Empress and getting there. You know how long that took. It felt like five minutes. Three minutes. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was stopping. I was stopping. And I wondered why you were doing that. <laughs> Three minutes to get to the ivory tower. And by the way, real quick, the inside of the ivory tower looks like Labia's Majora and Labia's Minora, for sur- <laughs> for sure. There's no way around that. It's true. <laughs> yeah, I noticed it, but didn't comment on it. <laughs> um. So speaking of quests, I for sure thought that those three individuals that we met early on were going to be part of the quest. Yeah. But the rules for Atreo's 
Atreus quest is you must go alone and you must leave all your weapons behind okay two things why do you have to go alone and if you're a great warrior probably because you have some type of weapon I mean you could you know register your hands as lethal weapons <laughs> um, and he was a child basically right so like going alone that that's kind of a typical quest type thing okay I can get on board with that that's but like the coming leave, of age. yeah but the leaving your weapons behind that means you're unprepared for what you may encounter during your quest and could he have, could he have picked up weapons along the way like if he didn't take his bow and arrow with him or whatever could he have fashioned a bow and arrow from trees or whatever that he found along his quest like that just maybe because he was a child I have a thought about Atreyu I don't know if you were done I don't remember what I was saying so right we have this great warrior who doesn't have any weapons doesn't have any friends to help him out and his job is essentially now to find a cure for her disease. He's basically like Jonas Salk doing field research, I guess, into finding the cure through desert and swamp and forest. Uh-huh. And he kind of does nothing. The one thing he does is get past the gates to speak to the oracle. And all the oracles, the cure is she needs a new name. Yeah. The Empress. Right. But it can only be given by a human child. Right. There's the rub. Because there are no humans in Fantasia. So, basically all he did was be brave enough to go up to the Oracle. Right. And we spent maybe the most amount of time on his story. Yes. (sighs) So, well, first he went and met Morla the turtle and she told him he had to go meet with the southern oracle 10,000 miles away which is where Falcor comes in that he was able to rescue Atreyu Atreyu, and take him 9,800 and change miles along the way it's always fun to have a friend who has a private jet who's going to Curry you around the world while you're passed out. See, but does that, I mean, he's not alone anymore. Oh, he did have help. And you know what? And, and his horse, Artax. Artax. R.I.P. That bummed me out so much. We're going to have to talk about that in a second. Um, if you, unless you want to skip it. Because um, we already did to kind of talk about it a little bit. But anyway, yeah, he did have help. Like, and what does help mean? Like, finding Mora, the shell shell mountain, which is just an enormous turtle. Mm-hmm. The largest Eeyore creature that's ever... That's, uh, Thanks for noticing. Not that it matters. I'm a nihilist. Um, so yeah, can we, t- can we talk about... Um, not that I want to dwell on it, but the death, so the death of the horse. Yes. Can I say before we start that at the very end, 
like everything gets reset and it seems the horse is now living. Yeah, that happens at the end of Job too. Job gets a busload full of kids after all his kids died. I don't think that takes away from the magnitude of... I agree. Yeah. I was just pointing out, like, oh, that was a small bright spot at the end of this very sad movie is, oh, maybe now he'll get to live again. I feel like you're, they're trying to buy back, like, writing-wise, you're trying to buy back my sadness. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... At that point, I feel like you're fucking with me. Mm. You know, like, if you're going to slowly kill the horse in front of me, like, don't go, you know what? We'll just, it'll, we'll just hit reset at the end. It'll be fine. Like, oh, really? Because I don't feel like my, my feelings no longer seem valid. Like, because that's not the world. We don't live in a world like that. That's just so, mm-hmm. that's just so absurd. So, a couple of things about the horse. I was like, so I was like weeping. I was bawling. I don't know if you noticed. I was bawling. I was so sad. And not just the first time I saw this movie when I was 10. Uh-huh. But like today when we watched <laughs> this movie. But I was, not only was it, it's a sad idea. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that this horse has the emotional depths to like l- allow sadness to take over him. Yeah, that that was my thing. I that, agree. That he's just sinking and sinking. That's a bummer. But also just the the actor horse mm-hmm. who's playing our tax, mm-hmm. who's now like, uh, you got to get the chillest horse in the world to like be slowly drowning because the horse is not horses are weird. You know this. Yeah. Horses yeah. are weird. Yeah. And do not they have all kinds of anxiety. That is one well-trained horse. So I'm having all this anxiety. I mean, I'm sure there's like a, um, I'm sure they did it in such a way there was like graduated, you know, tanks uh-huh. where it's like, okay, this horse loves water and like, boom, we'll have them in this one and then the next one and it just gets lower and lower and maybe something at the bottom like till, like, uh, like sand and stuff. So he will slowly sink for a second, so you get that feeling of uh-huh. the horses, you know, sinking. I'm sure the horse was not. Once they got up to his neck, I started, like, panicking a little. Like, and the, you saw oh the God. whites yeah. of the horse's eyes, like, hey, this isn't cool. That horse does not understand that this is make-believe. Like, it can be trained, but it doesn't understand, hey, man, I'm not going to die right now. These people will let me live. It'll be fine. Like... The horse is going to start panicking and could then hurt itself or the others around it. A, a, chi- a child, the child who has to stay two feet away from him mm-hmm. while he's presumably, like, if he's rearing up and freaking out and, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, all kinds of, oh, and I think, I don't know if this is your point or not, but, like, um, Atreyu, after he loses his horse, now is now has to keep walking through the swamp and he's just devastated how does he not also sink into the swamp that's what i'm saying it looks like he's letting sadness overtake him is it because he just keeps pushing forward and he's not letting it overcome him so you know what i mean oh oh, wait wait i'm sorry i just thought of something i just thought of something maybe the swamp itself has the depth of understanding to know the difference between grief and sadness (laughs) grief and sadness are two very different things 
That's true. And you have to legitimately go through grief. And it's not like, hey, don't do that. And you got to push that aside. Well, that's what his dad was telling him to do. Oh, not <laughs> his dad. Right, yeah. Bastion's dad. That is that is interesting, right? Like mm-hmm. he's, but yeah, I mean, um, Atreyu and Bastion—they're analogous, obviously an analogous situation. And you know what's funny? In my head, I thought they were like what? Well, not in my head, but when I was a child, I think I believed that those two characters were played by the same person. I mean, I ask if they were right. the same person because, like, they're costume and hairstyling was different but i mean they looked very similar to me yeah and i think he had the atreyu had like maybe more of a didn't he put on some sort of like fantasy land accent or something he i think he spoke with more um gravitas like yes i'm the warrior and i will slay the beast or whatever is required or whatever but he was very like assertive and confident whereas bastion gets thrown into dumpsters by bullies right (laughs) how can the people in fantasia hear bastion mescaline okay how can they really hear him well the book has magical the book itself has magical properties and the book itself allows I mean, that's the least of our worries, because Bastion is able to, like, cross into some, like, you know, jump into the pages of the book and meet in person the Mm -hmm. Empress. Yeah. At the end of the book. But he doesn't give her a name, right? Because then... He does. What is... What name does he give her? I had to look it up. Moonchild. Moonchild. He shouts it... He shouts it from the... The attic... Oh, it just it said screaming. Yeah, it wasn't. That was the the closed captioning was not helpful for this. It really wasn't. And that that oh that kid was such a bad act. I don't. I want to be. I want to like be very gentle with children, he, even as they're adults. I don't know where that guy is now, but like oh, just not. And, and maybe, you know, Steven Spielberg did not direct this. Like Steven Spielberg knew how to. Yeah. Knew how to direct children. <laughs> Well, and he didn't have a whole lot of scenes with anyone else, so he was just acting he's, by himself with a book. He's Tom Hanks in... <laughs> in Castaway. Yeah. With no Wilson to help him Not out. Not even a Wilson. So, when you and I first met, mm-hmm. Virginia, um, you had a dog in your life mm-hmm. called Audrey. Mm-hmm. R.I.P. Audrey. R.I.P. Audrey. Uh, um, when you sent me a photograph of Audrey, I sent you a picture of Falcor. <laughs> That's right. I, I forgot thought, about that. <laughs> maybe we should have a side by side on the uh, anyway <laughs> side by side comparison because she was. She had those little floppy ears and everything. She was a cocker spaniel for our audience out there. Like a whitish. A white and red cocker spaniel. Yeah. Are you ready to go on to the Bechtel test? There's no way the Bechtel test passed. I, there was no... The, there was only one female, I think, in all of Fantasia with a name. And she only gets a name at the very end. Um, <laughs> there was... You're correct that it fails. Okay. There was Morla, who, based on tone of voice, I assume is a woman or a female. Um, there was Urgle, 
who was... Oh, right. um, I was waiting to hear if they would name her, was the little friend that once um, Atreyu was transported by Falcor towards the southern Oracle. They stopped so he could, like, recover or whatever, so they made him, like, the grossest chicken soup ever. (laughs) Um, And then there was... I guess Moonchild, I didn't realize that was her name, but none of them ever talked to each other, so fail. Yep. Yep, yep. So, fail. has your opinion changed since you last saw this movie? So, I was 10. I definitely cried when the horse died when I was 10. But I didn't, you know, so this movie came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. This movie was made in a country that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Called West Germany, mm-hmm. and it it slowly dawned on me that this is probably I mean I don't know if this was the intention, but it's a communist allegory. Okay. The, the nothing is communism. It's slowly like taking over all of these countries, because the guy who wrote this lived right on the edge of the communist block. Okay. The the nothing or the or communism in that in their case, um, was took over all these different countries and there was still a worry in the mid 80s that yeah. the Soviet Union was going to like you know t- you know you had the Soviet Union you have China uh, North Korea uh, you know we just had an an unfortunate situation in Vietnam there's Cuba of course still and uh, at one point they say the um, the wolf the wolf creature says um, that the people are easier to control when they're in despair. And that is like a Karl Marx. That's like a, look, you like starve your people and it doesn't matter what you do. You know, you, you like just you beat them down, you break them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Break them down and then you can, can control them. It, then whoever has, I, I think the wolf creature says something along the lines of whoever has the control has the power. Right. And yeah, like the like the desperation and like the the um, people are either very desperate or very um, depressed or mm-hmm. the um, there is this in um, in Nazi Germany mm-hmm. the, um, the the death camp guards noticed when they would have a task like you know you need to build a bridge and here's all the wood and blah 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 and they would have to. Um, you know, there were um, engineers and architects and craftsmen and people who were great at, like, um, wood and design and things like that. So they would build this, they would build this great structure. And the guards noticed, like, okay, this is, like, filling them with confidence and that's the last thing you want to do if you want to still be able to control these people. So then they started giving them random tasks, like, build an enormous thousand-foot-tall um, gravel tower in one corner of the camp. And then they would go do this, never told why. Mm-hmm. And then told, okay, great, now get wheelbarrows, move the whole thing to the other corner of the of the camp. For absolutely no reason. And right. then that just, like, that just, be like, you know, leveled everyone and just, you know, got everyone to the point where they could be controlled again. Yeah. So, yeah, this was the... This was, at the time, the most expensive film produced that wasn't made in either the Soviet Union or the United States. Huh. 
Um, it's the it's the adaptation of this book only covers half of the book, the the never ending story. Uh-huh. And uh anyway, it's interesting now. We don't you know like, you know, the Cold War is long since long since over. So, and usually like Cold War like Cold War movies that are made in the United States are like Red Dawn. Yeah. Like it's over. They are coming to get us. So like to it if this is in fact an analogy of of the Cold War of, you know, of communism. Um, it, it's done in a way like, well, no, like they, like from a West Germans perspective, no, they've already, they, they already got us. Uh-huh. <laughs> like the communists are right at our door, quite literally. Yeah. So it's interesting to, I don't know, to see the difference. So, are there any pop culture references? You now understand. Well, the song is everywhere. It was everywhere when I was growing up. I never saw the movie. <laughs> but, I mean, if you can tell from our last episode, I started singing part of it. And you're like, oh my god, do you know that song? <laughs> yes. Right. I grew up in the 80s. I know that song. Um, but most recently, it was part of a plot of Stranger Things. Where uh, Dustin had his allegedly imaginary girlfriend. Which we may have just heard at the top of the show. Yes. Um, and right, the girlfriend where, like, he's like, yeah, I, d- I definitely have a girlfriend. I met her at camp, but we never... We don't <laughs> see her till like, the very end. <laughs> right. And she's like, I'm not going to help you unless you do it. And he's like, come on. And she's like, no, you have to do it. And what she's talking about is singing the song. <laughs> they do, like, a duet. I copy, Susie Pooh. It sounds much better now. Thanks. Susie. Okay, so listen. Do you know Planck's constant? Do you know the Earth orbits the sun? <laughs> okay, so I know it starts with two sixes, and then I... Well, what is it? Okay, let me just be clear on this. I haven't heard from you in a week, and now you want a mathematical equation that you should know so you can save the world? Susie Pooh, I promise I will make it up to you as soon as possible. You can make it up to me now. What? I want to hear it. Not right now. Yes, now, Dusty Bun. Susie Poo, this is urgent. Yes, yes, you're saving the world. I heard you the first time, but Ged is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront the shadows, so this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay, okay. So that made me... I, I didn't recognize it when it started, but once they, of course, got to the chorus, I was like, oh, yeah, I see. Um, which would make sense, because... It's set in the 80s. Stranger Things is set in the 80s. So it would make sense that they had probably just seen that movie. The, the kid who reads the book mm-hmm. in Never Ending Story could easily be like Will or, you know, whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. Not acting-wise. Oops. <laughs> but, like, looks-wise, like, that's... He may have been, you know... They took the wardrobe and the hair, like, right from that kid. But I think that's really it. I don't... That was the first thing that came to mind, so... I see. So how would this movie be different with today's technology? I think the CGI would be better. It seemed like there was a lot of um, Atreyu on the on Falcor and just like... Uh, what do you call it? A reverse... Not a reverse. Um, uh, rear projection. Rear projection, where they're like 
flying over the oceans and flying over the desert, flying over the forest. And it's like, I can clearly see this is like a Cary Grant movie from 1954. (laughs) You're just sitting in front of a moving screen or moving pictures on a screen. It's project. Yeah, the film is being projected to the side, to the back, to the front. And you're in one place on the ground. Right. So the way that... As far as, like, a flying dog, iguana creature, like... Luck dragon. Sorry, luck dragon. Yes. It doesn't move like... He doesn't move like a dragon. He doesn't move like any other flying thing. He almost kind of, like... um, He's almost kind of, like, swimming in the air the Uh way, like, a ray would. Like a stingray might. Without wings, you know? A stingray without wings. Like what you would imagine a mermaid would move like. Yes. Kind of. Do, what, do you remember in the Avengers movie where those big, giant, like, flying metal things came out of the... the oh, yeah. The, the portal opened up from space. Yes. And those things, those things started flying. Mm-hmm. And they would... I'm, I'm sort of, like, doing a wave motion with my hand. Yes. Like, Falcor almost does that sometimes. And they pull the camera way, way back because they're probably kind of embarrassed of the special effects. Yeah. Because they're in Munich or whatever, and they probably didn't have, you know, didn't didn't have uh, George Lucas on the blower. They only to... had communist equipment. Yeah. We cannot work with this equipment, Hogan. No. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I said that. Um. How do you think the movie would be different? Well, they didn't. They there was like a reboot that they tried, like in 2016, and it was only like released in Spain or something. I was trying to find some information on this. Weird. There were some problems getting uh, getting the rights to it, but yeah, I think this could be like I don't know. I'm trying to think of something fantasy and. Like, maybe something that's fantasy and grim, like Pan's Labyrinth. Oh, uh-huh. Like, get Guillermo del Toro to, like, do Never Ending Story. Yeah. Just off the top of my head. Like, that would be amazing. And del Toro would be able to, like, you know, pound that story into shape and make it, like, less weird and probably have... A better ending with the dad, where the dad's like, "Sorry, I'm a jacket." Yeah. Do you have anything else to discuss? One quick thing: there was a PlayStation Two game called Shadow of the Colossus, mm-hmm. where this um, this unlikely, very small warrior who rode around on a horse and had to fight like these. You know, you'd have to go and fight these colossi, colossies, colossuses. Yeah, what is, what is the plural of colossus? Colossi? I think it might be. Anyway. It might be. Anyway, it was just a gorgeous game, and there's shades of, shades of Atreyu in the, in the main character you play. I see. Absolutely gorgeous game. And so, and so upsettingly difficult. 
What was the name of it again so I never play it? Shadow of the Colossus. Shadow of the Colossus. So that about wraps it up. You can find us on a bunch of platforms like iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. We're also on the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network at CosmicPotatoNetwork.com. You can find a lot of other great shows there, so check those out. And as for us, just go to WaitYou'veNeverSeen.com to find links, social media, and contact information. Leave us some feedback and let us know if you have any suggestions for movies or TV shows we should watch. That's our show for today. Next time we'll be watching... Let it go, let it go, I am very cold, cause I'm frozen, I'm frozen. Okay, I've never seen it, but I'm pretty sure that's not how the song goes. It's pretty much the song from Frozen. So It says though, like, there is a, uh, anyway, go ahead. So, um, clearly, neither of us has ever seen this movie. So, we're going to have um, some Frozen experts on with us next time in the form of uh, either one or both of my nieces. Excellent. That sounds like an expert. She's, or they are very much experts. I mean, if you're talking about Frozen, you're going to want, like, under three feet tall. Yes. I don't think you consider, you couldn't be, something happens and you're not an expert anymore. It's true. It's true. Okay, good. You go. Thanks for listening. This is Susie. I I copy. Susie! Dusty Bun? Dusty Bun. Where have you been? I'm so, so sorry. I've I've been really busy. I'm trying to save the world from Russians and monsters. (laughs) Of course you have. Get the goddamn number already. Who was that? Uh, uh, it, it was, uh, I don't know, actually. I think it was just some interference. So why don't we uh, change frequency to 14.158. Copy that. Shifting frequency. Stand by. Dusty Bun, you copy? I copy, Susie Poo. It sounds much better now. Thanks. Susie. Okay, so listen. Do you know Planck's constant? Do you know the Earth orbits the sun? <laughs> okay, so I know it starts with two sixes, and then a... Well, what is it? Okay, let me just be clear on this. I haven't heard from you in a week, and now you want a mathematical equation that you should know so you can save the world? Susie Poo, I promise I will make it up to you as soon as possible. You can make it up to me now. What? I want to hear it. Not right now. Yes, now, Dusty Bun. Susie Poo, this is urgent. Yes, yes, you're saving the world. I heard you the first time, but Ged is also saving Earthsea, and he's about to confront the shadows, so this is Susie signing off. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Okay. Shit. Turn around. Look at what you see. In her face. The mirror of your dreams. Make believe I'm everywhere. Give it in the light. Written on the pages is the answer to a never ending story.